Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, uh, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. This year's camp, July 10th to 17th, in beautiful Tolanippi Christian Retreat Center in Ringe, New Hampshire. You can find out about that and all the other things we have available on our website, www.campconstitution.net. This show was heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, broadcast out of the beautiful Monticello, Maine, in Arista County. And last, uh, I was supposed to have Larry Pratt, at least I thought I was, uh, and I got the wires crossed. Larry Pratt, the head of Gun Owners of America, will be on our show next week. Uh, so, But I wanted to mention something, and hopefully I have a chance to bring it up with Larry um, I read somewhere a defense in, in favor of strict gun control, you know, because Japan has such a low murder rate and they have strict gun control. Therefore, you know, that's the way to go. Well, uh, Japan, the Japanese people, by their nature, don't use a lot of guns to kill people. And they are, as a nation, pretty low on the list of homicides, although they do have a problem with people who kill with knives. And that's another issue. Uh, so we, I suppose if they had strict knife control, then they would probably have even fewer homicides. Uh, but if you got Japanese people and brought them to the United States, uh, you would find that uh, they still engage, even with access to guns, they still have very low homicide rates. Uh, but if you look at a chart of all the nations, and I just looked at a chart. It was a UN chart, which I particularly don't trust by by its nature because it's from the UN but sometimes raw facts and statistics are raw facts and statistics. So, uh, and it, it lists a lot of all these little Micronesia nations too, and even American Samoa and Guam. Uh, so there's over 200 of these countries and even little island states. Uh, uh, and the United States is right in the middle somewhere. It's still too high, I, I give you that, but it's in the middle. Uh, most of the most dangerous countries are African nations, sub-Sahara African nations, and some some nations that are uh, in the Sahara. Uh, so the first top 40 or 30 or 40 or so are nations that have pretty strict gun control. So it kind of begs the question, you know, that maybe putting Japan in the mix isn't the right, because you can look at Switzerland, where everybody is armed, or at least most people are armed, and they too have a very low gun rate. But one of the things I'd like to ask Larry about, and, uh, and I don't know if this, this has ever been done, but let's look at the United States. 50 states, uh, I don't know, a couple of million square miles. And I know that there are a lot of states that have very, very low uh, homicide, a very low homicide rate and a very low murder rate. I mean, a homicide could be an act of passion as opposed to a homicide in the commission of a crime. You know, a murder's murder, but... There is a difference uh, 
anyway, but it, actually, they even add suicide. They even put suicides on these homicide lists too. So, and a suicide is a tragedy, but it's a little different than being robbed and shot while you're out and about doing your business. Um, but I would say that if you could analyze where most of these violent crimes or homicides are committed, would be committed in a relatively small part of the United States. And let's face it, most of the major crimes and homicides are not committed in rural America. That's why you see very low homicide rates in states like Vermont, Maine, especially northern Maine, where everybody has a gun, rifle, it's part of the culture. Idaho, Montana, the, the North and South Dakota, Alaska, and so forth and so on. But you see high crime and high homicide rates in major cities, Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, New York, uh, uh, et cetera, Baltimore. And you, most of these crimes, unfortunately, are being committed in the inner cities. And, in fact, this is where the right to keep and bear arms is even more important, where there are more bad guys killing good people. And this, is a, this would be to do that, that. I'm not suggesting that we just disarm people in urban areas and poor neighborhoods. No, just the opposite is the case. But it does indicate it's, it's you know, something that I'd like to see done, and maybe it has been done. Uh, some people might be reluctant to do it because it's not politically correct. Uh, they don't want you to think that there are any crimes. And overall, crime has gone down in the United States in the last 10 years, and I don't think it has anything to, to do with the Obama administration. It's kind of interesting what exactly is involved, uh, why is this happening, and I'm, I'm sure there are many, many different opinions about it. could be that some of the bad guys are in jail. A lot of them are jail. Some of them are killing themselves off. But I just look at our uh, decaying culture uh, and our decaying morality, and I'm surprised that the crime rate is going down. I'm glad to see it go down. Uh, I would like to think that there's uh, religious re revivals going on in certain places, and that's sort of people's hearts have turned and therefore they're less reluctant to commit crimes or not committing crimes. I wish that that's a factor. I know that's a factor overall, uh, but I don't know if it's a factor in the last 10 years. And uh, may, maybe there is some evidence to, uh, to demonstrate that. So um, so anyway, uh, so I'm looking forward to have Larry on next week. And there's a lot of things to talk about. Even a little half-hour show, and I usually like to have a guest there. And uh, sometimes I can line one up, sometimes I can't. Uh, but I'm thinking, what am I going to talk about? Is that there's so much to talk about. Uh, so many issues are important. Uh, there was a, something happened in North, North Carolina. I couldn't even, didn't even get the gist of it. I uh, heard it on today's news, and uh, they did something that's politically incorrect, and cities like Boston have decided not to send any. You can't do business in Boston. won't do business in North, North Dakota or North Carolina because of this. And I'm thinking... Boston, I would say that uh, the cities and states around the country should be looking at Boston and maybe banning Boston. Look at Boston with its miserable public school system, uh, its membership in a U.N. entity. Well, it used to be part of ICLEI. It's not there anymore, but it's uh, it's part of some type of U.N. Uh, pro Agenda 21 uh, city, something like Cool Cities or uh, whatever it is, uh, Agenda 2030. And... Uh, it's partnership with the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, and it's a, uh, an, uh, what do you call it, a sanctuary city. All these kinds of things uh, should get legislators around the country to say, hey, we're not going to do business with you guys in Boston. Who the heck is the mayor of Boston and the city council? When is there a moral imperative? 
You know, you've got a miserable school system. You know, the only, the only thing that's keeping you afloat is the, uh, the medical technology. You don't manufacture anything. And I live in Boston, and I love the city, or I love what it could be or what it should be, and I love the history. You don't manufacture anything in Boston. You don't raise food in Boston. Who the heck are, are these, these little twisted liberals, more cowards like Mayor uh, Walsh, going around telling other states well, how they should do their business? So, um, you know, the old biblical adage, take the... Take the mold, uh, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. But it's all this uh, political correctness, you know. The people when Arizona uh, passed a law to uh, to enforce the immigration issue that's been that's causing all kinds of disruption. They have an obligation to protect their citizens since the federal government won't do it. Oh yes, Boston jumps on the bandwagon. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna go on vacations and junkets in Arizona because of this. Yeah. You frauds! You allow illegal aliens to come in. They they rape and murder your citizens, and you have the you have the audacity to tell Arizona that you're not going to go there. You're not going to do business with them because they're trying to save their citizens. I love to see these city councils in the Arizona border and just put them there for a couple of months and see if they would change it. But probably not. You know, most of these people I would say are self-loathing folks with death wishes. And they're, you know, this, that's, socialism is really a death, it's a national death wish. So, anyway, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, tiring to see that. And while I'm not a, uh, a Trump supporter, uh, I see these um, renter mobs that are going after Trump supporters. And, uh, you know, they're talking about diversity and we love everybody and we have what's best for America and hope and change. Yet they send their little goons, they pay them 15 bucks an hour and they go out and, and assault people. And uh, and some of the uh, folks are putting, hitting back, and uh, you know I hate you hate to see violence, but you know if I, I'm at an event with my family, uh, whether you know, and I don't go to Trump rallies, but if I was in an event like that and I I felt threatened, yeah, you hit back. You have a right to defend yourself, uh, and even take preemptive. Um, you know, if you see these people organized against you, you're gonna take you got to take some action, uh, and I suggest you don't have to take if you know, take legal action. Uh, it's called conspiracy, by the way, when people plan to disrupt something. It's called conspiracy to commit violence or crime. And <clears throat> even though these people will deny the notion of an idea of conspiracy, it is a crime to uh, to plan to do something that's illegal. Um, uh, well, camp is coming up in just a uh, in just a short time, a few months away, and uh, we are going to be having a table at the Mass Hope Homeschool Show. And I'd like to talk a little bit about the homeschool movement, uh, if I could. Um, maybe it would be a good to get a few folks from that, uh, people who are doing homeschool activities full-time, as in maybe homeschool organizations like Mass Hope. Maybe I'd get, get one of the folks that are involved in that. Uh, Mass Hope is a Christian-based homeschool group. And the homeschool movement really got started, well, it's, there's always been homeschoolers, you know, since the nation began. Uh, in fact, uh, many of our founders, uh, founding fathers and mothers, or homeschooled. You know, they had, they had opportunities to go to school, but uh, most of the education happened at home. And over the years, uh, 1840s, we discussed this issue before, uh, Horace Mann led the fight to for compulsory education laws, and within, I don't know, 20 or 30, maybe 40 years, all, all the states had uh, laws that made it uh, illegal not to put your children in school, and they set hours and how many days, and of course they always add to that as time went on. Um, and, of course, that hasn't uh, helped our academics. Uh, they thought that was the panacea that was going to save 
saved the world and the Unitarians led the fight. And today, of course, our public education, uh, public schools, our government schools, totally controlled by the government. They are really, uh, uh, well, my late friend Sam Blumenfeld called them Unitarian prep schools. He said they are dangerous spiritually and physically to uh, every child. You will be dumbed down. You, If you have conservative Christian values, they will be under attack from kindergarten on. And that's not, that's not some type of, uh, that's, a tr- that's a true story. And 20 years ago, when we said things like this, people poo-pooed it. And now it's, you know, people are not poo-pooing it so much anymore. So many parents are around the country have opted to take their children out and educate them themselves. And there are so many, it's such an incredible world of homeschooling. Uh, I brought my friend, Dr. Kishore, to the Maine Homeschoolers event this, uh, that took place in uh, mid to late March. It was a three-day event, uh, two and a half days. And he's never been to one, and he was just so, um, he couldn't believe what he saw. He saw these families, these nice young people um, that were polite. They were excited about learning things. And vendors, it was vendors. Uh, it, when it comes to homeschooling, it isn't a question of, uh, it's a question of where do you begin and what curriculum, because there's so many things out there. And some some parents uh, use a certain curriculum, like a Becca, for example. They may just use that. And a Becca it's uh, Pensacola Christian uh, School. It's it's their program, uh, K to 12. Some of they have videos that are fully accredited. They have, uh, you know, you could just use their math, use their science. You can use the whole program. It's a little bit. We we do use some of Becca. It's and we've done over the years. We've done the videos. The videos I think are a little bit um, too long because it's sort of a classroom just being videotaped. And I think you have a lot of things in the classroom that you could be cut out, you know, as far as that. But and some people like that, the classroom experience. You know, you're watching it on a video, and 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 there's a lot of um, live remotes that uh, homeschool classes. Um, the Freedom Project Education (FPE) edu uh, that's led by um, my good friend Duke Pesta. They have a K to 12 classic edu- classical education where you actually learn Latin and Greek. If you so choose, and uh, logic. Can you believe that? Log- you believe teaching logic today? What a what an incredible concept! And what is logic? But right thinking. There's very little bit of that. A little, very little of that going on in this country. And uh, my daughter, who's now in college, one of my daughters, she took the logic course, and she's asking me for help. I said, "You're coming to the wrong person." But I was able to learn a little bit. And it's interesting too. There's some of these Latin phrases. Uh, you know, it's interesting that I don't know what this thing is called, but I know it's a fraud, and this just helps you understand that and be able to defend and articulate your important messages. So, uh, fpe.edu is something that I recommend uh, in a Becca. Uh, Bob Jones University has been around a long time. Uh, they've got some things that, uh, but I, I'm a little concerned because they've they've they're involving themselves with Common Core, so you have to be careful. Make sure that whatever curriculum you use, that it's not Common Core compliant, and ask them if if common if you're using Common Core, and if you are, you shouldn't be using it. Maybe uh, maybe you can use the textbooks prior to the, these things, these groups adopting Common Core. And I also look at the country as a as a classroom, uh, and when you homeschool, you don't necessarily have to spend eight hours indoors. You can 
wherever wherever you live. I mean, you may not live in Boston where you have all kinds of rich history in New England, but there's all kinds of learning opportunities out there. And I was fortunate, I should say blessed, not fortunate, you know, to live where we live. And what I do is I travel a lot for my job. And there are times when it's possible to take a child or two children with me. And, and we brought, we'd go to art museums and we go to state capitals and we go to historical sites. And, and sometimes uh, even I think going to historical sites are fun, but sometimes we catch a baseball game uh, or uh, something like the American Girl doll uh, place in Chicago. We've been there with my, my my daughter and my son. He wasn't into the dolls, thankfully, but he was a good brother, and he went with his sister. So um, there's just so many rich things out there. And there are homeschool groups, and people say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a teaching degree. How do I know? Well, you don't need a teaching degree. And uh, there are a lot of or, or, there's the local organizations, there's homeschool networks. Just go on Facebook and put down, homeschool and see what comes up. There may be a homeschool network right, uh, group right in your county or your city or your town. And, if, for example, you've got a group of homeschoolers and maybe uh, one of the parents in this group is a math teacher or a history teacher or uh, uh, one of the homeschool groups we're involved in, one of the parents owns an optical lab. So we, took, we went to a homeschool uh, field trip to learn about making eyeglasses. Uh, and then you had another te- the fellow who was a full time he was a teacher in a public school I think or a private school, but he had science and once a week or a couple of times a month there'd be nice little science classes he would give and they'd do science projects, so um, so it's it's just such an incredible rich thing and I would encourage people I would not, I would just encourage it I would say you should get your children out of those government schools as soon as you can. And yeah, you may have to make some. You're going to make some choices. You may, you may not be able to work for two jobs. Maybe um, one some parents to stay home. Uh, but what's more important? What's more important? Your children's. I mean, you you want what's best for your children. You probably feed them good food. You uh, make sure they have the quality clothing and good shoes, and you keep them warm. And you want what's best. But then you put them in a public school. You know. So there is there is a sacrifice, but in the long run, even in the short run, it's worth it. You know, people always compliment uh, me and my wife when they see our children, and our children are perfect. Uh, and they say, "Yeah, it's been a few been a few days, and I'll try to get them to you know fold their laundry or clean their room." But they they're just well-adjusted children, and they're going to be leaders. Already showing that they're two of them are already adults, three of them are adults, and the the one two of them we homeschooled, uh, and they're leaders. And I'm very proud of them. And I think that had their, the fact that they were reared in a homeschool environment as opposed to a public school environment has a lot to do with that. And they'll say, well, my child, you know, will be a leader in public schools. Well, maybe. But why risk it? Why risk? And th- this is the issue. Um, in fact, uh, I can relate a story. I have a, I had a friend of mine. He used to go to ch- we used to go to church together. He's moved to the I think Arizona, married and has children now, but back when he was a young single man, he uh, thought that it was important that Christians are in public schools, Christian children. And I said to him, well, I agree that Christian teachers may should have an influence there. I said, but Christian children, they're very impressionable. And then he, you know, he made a case, he cited an article he read in one of the Christian magazines why it was important. And I said to him, let me ask you a question here. Sunday morning on the way to church, you drop your son or daughter off at the Unitarian Sunday School class. I said, would I be? Would it be right for me 
to question your Christianity by doing something like that? He said, absolutely. I says, why? Because, well, the Unitarians do not, do not, they're, not they're not Trinitarians. They don't teach the theology that, I, that he agrees with. And, and uh, you know, he has an admonition to raise his children, uh, uh, you know, God-fearing children. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they're not going to get that in Unitarian Sunday School. In fact, it's the opposite. They don't believe that Jesus is divine. They don't believe in the Trinity. They promote homosexuality and abortion and socialism and evolution. So I said, uh, so why would you, uh, why would you bring your child to a Unitarian school five days a week? And I think, I think uh, it kind of made a difference. I think he thought about that for a few minutes. And, you know, okay, but you see, there's a culture. We have this culture that revolves around the school calendar. And when you're, out, when you're out and about and you see children, you might ask them, what grade are you in? Well, you've been influenced by this, uh, the Horace Mann and the Prussian model. You don't even know that. What grade are you in? Like, everything is a grade. If you're a certain age, you must be in a certain grade. You know, it's, it's interesting, too. There are 10-year-olds that can do high school math. But if you're, in a ten, uh, if you're a 10-year-old, you're not going to do that. You're not, in fact, with Common Core, you're not even going to be going, you, you can't excel. That's the whole idea of being common. Everything's common. So you can't excel. I knew a young man that graduated from high school. I think he was in a private school. Uh, he, wasn't a, he was in a Catholic school, and he graduated from college the same day. Uh, he got an associate's degree. So while he was going, doing his high school work, he was going to take college courses at night, and he was able to graduate. Now, you can't do that with Common Core. You can't do that in a public school environment that doesn't encourage excellence. So, um, and again, lots of resources out there. Home, just go online and put on homeschool and put down your state. You know, homeschools of Maine, for example. If you're in Maine, and Mass Hope in Massachusetts. New Hampshire has a couple of homeschool groups. Rhode Island, Connecticut, California. And, and there's homeschool shows. This is the homeschool show season, uh, usually March, April, May, early June, uh, and when they're not having conventions, they're having uh, textbook sales where you can get used curriculum at you know pennies to the dollar. Uh, in fact, we we if we get a lot of used curriculum where you have to erase the stuff in pencil, and you know we do a lot of that. But it's, uh, it's that's what, that's what we have to do to, to economize. And you also get to network with people too, and a lot of it's like-minded people you're meeting who who homeschool and who, who can encourage you and what have you. I know when we were homeschooling, uh, when we started doing it, uh, you know, back in the mid-90s, uh, well, late-90s anyway, we would, uh, every so often, you know, we're doing the right thing. And what I would do is I would listen to a Sam Blumenfeld uh, presentation, and uh, I would say, what was I ever thinking? Why would I ever think anything else? So, uh, and uh, I guess they so many great resources. In fact, you have, we have some great resources right on Camp constitution.net you go to that website you will see we'll say sam blumenfeld archives you click on that and you will see the uh, sam blumenfeld alpha phonics you click on that and you can you can actually teach people how to read using the phonetic method with the alpha phonics a pdf version of sam blumenfeld's alpha phonics which I think has 128 lessons, and they're all short lessons. You know, you you, you do the basic, uh, the vowel sounds, and within about three or four lessons, you're reading small sentences, 
and then the consonants, and then the blends, and then you're reading more complex sentences by the time the 128 lessons are over. You have the, uh, so you have the PDF and also either video and or audio, or, or whichever you prefer, of Sam Blumenfeld going through each lesson, and Sam has a beautiful speaking voice. Um, and it's just a, a delightful thing. You also, you can teach arithmetic that Sam uses, and handwriting, penmanship. Sam was very funny about, uh, you know, today you see people, they don't even know how to hold a pen or a pencil, so they use the stab, and, and he always suggested cursor first. So you can actually go to our website, if you're a homeschooler or thinking about it, and you can do a lot, you can teach a lot just by our website, and it's all free. Although we're not uh, adverse to taking donations. Uh, so, anyway, <clears throat> with about the six minutes we have left, I want to talk a little bit about um, what we're doing. What we're actually, uh, this show is pre-recorded. It'll be it, it airs uh, you know, Monday night. I'm taping it the day before, but we're getting ready. Uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Kishore, who's been on this show before, uh, rhymes. No intention to rhyme that, but anyway, Dr. Kishore is the addiction specialist who was uh, his his uh, his model, his Massachusetts model, was used and is used around the world very successfully. It took them 10 years to perfect this model of uh, treating addicts, mostly drug addicts, but not exclusively drug addicts, alcoholic uh, as well. And he said by using non-narcotics to treat the symptoms, and then of course it's not just sobering you up and detoxifying you, but also the social networks that are important and the psychological aspects of it. And he had a success rate and as a result of that Bain Corporation offered him 60 million dollars in 2010 to buy his business and I'm not, I don't think they really cared about the clinics and the, the hard assets I think there was the model that they wanted to buy and put on a shelf because uh, it was like it's an internal combustion engine that might get a thousand miles to a gallon you don't want to put that on the shelf you don't want to put that out there you can't make any money these other models that are uh, making millions and billions of dollars for these people are not being very effective helping uh, addicts, but it's making the uh, people in the industry tons of money. It's hard to believe that uh, people would do something like that, but I think that's the case here. So, uh, Dr. Kishore, uh, anyway, so he was put out of business in 2011 after four years, uh, four years of legal battles. He ended up plea bargaining and 80 felony charges, you think, if this guy had 80 felony charges, he was probably the most dangerous man in America. He and Whitey Bulger would be sharing the same cell. Well, he decided to you know, reduce it to one, one, one uh, charge, and he pled guilty, and he spent six, six months in prison. Uh, and he should have only spent 17 days and then put in a halfway house environment. But anyway, he has been following uh, Governor LePage, and his issue, of course, Maine and most of the Northeast is having a terrible problem with addiction. And Maine is uh, one of the states that is really uh, suffering. But uh, LePage is not a big supporter of methadone and suboxone treatments. So we were able, I was able to, not that I'm uh, a confidant of the governor by any stretch, but I just simply went to the, the lady who's sort of the so-called gatekeeper and uh, was able to introduce Dr. Kishore to her uh, while we were at a press conference at the State House uh, on the subject of common cold. The best I put the two together and they hit it off pretty well, and uh, so um, by the time you're hearing the show, we'll be heading back. We'll probably be en route back to Boston, and hopefully um, 
that uh, Maine, with the governor's help, would uh, be look, would seriously look into this Massachusetts model. They can call it the Maine model, as Dr. Kishore said. So please put, um, you know, put the prayers out there if you're listening to the show and pray that other people, other leaders around the country will put aside their, you know, their differences and their bigotry and their, uh, their fear of the medical mafia and think more of the people, uh, the people who are having this terrible addiction. You know, it's not, it's not just one person when it comes to someone, one person becomes addicted, it affects the family, it affects the friends, it affects working relationships. So one, one addict is a very, influences lots and lots of people. And, you know, one of the reasons why people can't, where, where, where our country's a mess is because we have so many of these social issues. I mean, so we can't get our acts together. How can we? How can free? How can we have a strong liberty movement when so many people are? They get so many issues like this with drug addiction. Ten percent of the population is uh, what I what I'm hearing that are addicted. So, anyway, which, uh, we just got another couple of minutes left. So let me just um, talk to. And by the way, Dr. Kishore, um, I've had a, a guest on. He's been a guest on the show before. So you could actually go to the, our YouTube channel, and um, about a month ago, and so here it's um, early April of 2016. I think a month and a month and a half ago we interviewed him, and even back last year, I think it was probably March or maybe February of 2015. And you could find those videos, uh, Dr. Kishore, K-A-S-H-O-R-E, and uh, one of the shows he talks about the ordeal he went through. And the other one, he talks about the history of addiction and the different types of treatments and uh, his treatment. Uh, so we want to thank you for listening. And <clears throat> uh, this show was possible, uh, brought to you uh, by Camp Constitution Radio and made possible by the good people that help support the Camp Constitution. Um, Camp Constitution. And we have a, um, a sponsors page. You go through our website, you see a sponsors page. Uh, you put your business there. Uh, whatever donation you may go to the PayPal button, make a donation and put your business card uh, and we'd be happy to put your business up there as a sponsor. And, you know, our camp, we've never turned away any young people or even families for lack of funds. And we've been doing this since 2009. And it's only possible because good people out there see the importance of what we're doing and they want to help and support it. So I say don't consider helping help. With that, thank you. God bless you. And also, thanks to this great station, WBCQ The Planet. May it stay on the air forever. God bless.